Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Why did a 19-year-old girl have to die? Yeah, most of us worked our way through college. Uh, I know in law school I had three jobs, and one of those jobs was at a sandwich shop. And it was situated in a big parking lot in an L-shaped strip center. And the sandwich shop was on the very end of the strip center. And every other store in that strip center would close around 6 p.m. But the sandwich shop where I worked stayed open until 11 And I remember sitting there. Everything outside was dark, and I would be sitting there all alone with the lights on um, in this sandwich shop. And I remember hating being there all alone, and there would be, you know, an hour or two when no one would come through. It's like you're sitting duck. I'm talking, of course, about 19-year-old Crystal Nieves, just a beautiful 19-year-old girl. She had told her mom that she did not like working alone at night. But who would have ever believed that someone would come along and kill her? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our friends at CBS2. As the rain trickled down, the family of 19-year-old Crystal Bayron Nieves gathered outside the Burger King where she was killed to lay flowers in her honor and to pray for justice. Police have released these images of the robbery that took place just before one Sunday morning at the Burger King on East 116th Street near Lexington Avenue. That's where Bayron Nieves was working as a cashier when an unknown male, masked and dressed in all black, entered the restaurant and demanded money. Police say Bayron Nieves was shot in the torso as the robbery progressed. Police say two other people were injured during the course of this robbery. A female manager at the restaurant was punched in the face and a male customer was likely pistol whipped. Both are expected to recover. Family members tell us Bayron Nieves and her family had just moved to New York from Puerto Rico a few years ago. The teenager had only been working at Burger King for the past few months. The family is now pleading with the person responsible to turn themselves in. Well, I can tell you right now, he's not going to turn himself in. He's looking at a murder charge and more. Again, thank you for being with us here at Crime Stories with me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. And two very special guests I'd like to start with. First of all, the family friend speaking for the victim's family, Nathalie Pagan, is with us. And Tina Moore from the New York Post with the Police Bureau Chief. Thank you so much for being with us uh to police bureau chief at the new york post tina moore tina what can you tell me about what we know happened right now well uh, it looks like the gunman uh, came in early sunday morning to the burger king and he punched uh, a female manager and pistol whipped another person and uh, pulled a gun, uh, police actually released a gun of him pointing the gun at, uh, clerk, Nath, uh, you know, who was behind the counter. Um, and then at some point she gave him a hundred dollars. Uh, he walked away, but then he turned around and shot her anyway. And it's just not clear. I, I really unclear what happened in, in that there's a couple of minutes. Uh, but, um, he's in the wind. So there's no sign of them. Photos really, you can't see them in the pictures. They're, the cops released. Um, so they're, they're, they're trying to find them. Still no arrest in the case. 
So Tina Moore joining me, police bureau chief with the New York Post. He was wearing dark clothes and a face mask, so he couldn't be identified. But even after, even after Crystal turns over a hundred dollar bill to him, he turns back around and shoots her dead. Yes. Yes. Okay, to Natalie Pagan joining us, uh, a dear friend of the victim's family. Natalie, when did Crystal's family find out what had happened? The Metropolitan Hospital called the mother at night and told her, is your daughter Crystal Byron? And she said, yes. And she asked them, is anything happened to her? And they say, yes. And she say, is she okay? And they say no. When they say no, she she wake up her boyfriend, and so she wake up her boyfriend, and she said that he started talking, and when she went to him, he was crying a lot. And when she saw him crying a lot, she say, "Oh, something happened to my daughter, right?" And he say, "Yes." And and then she called me. And then she called me, and I called the hospital, and the hospital told me that I got to bring her in. So we went to the hospital, and they don't let us see her that day. They don't let us recognize the body and nothing that day. They just tell us that they tried to do everything for her, but she wasn't responding. To Justin Borman, former Special Victims Unit detective joining us, and he is the author of I Was Wrong, Investigators Battle Cry for Change in the SVU. Justin, thank you for being with us. Can you even imagine getting that call in the middle of the night, knowing that something's wrong, getting up in the wee morning hours, going to the hospital, and you're not allowed to see your daughter or identify her body? You're just there. Absolutely not. Um, what a horrific way to, uh, first off, what a horrific thing to have happened. But what a horrific way to find out that your daughter had passed. I'm, I'm stunned. Um, absolutely not best practice. Um, well, that's, that's certainly putting perfume on the pig, Justin. Not best practice. Right. You can say that again. Uh, just this, oh, the, but, but the mind of what went through this killer, who, again, as you heard the police bureau chief with the New York Post state, he's, quote, in the wind. He's on the run. And while people are making public pleas for him to turn himself in, that's not going to happen. There is no way. No, that ain't going to happen. To Dr. Sherry Swartz joining me, forensic psychologist who specializes in criminal psychology, her book, Criminal Behavior, and her other book, Where Law and Psychology Intersect. Dr. Sherry Schwartz, thank you for being with us. I don't understand why the guy gets the money this little girl hands over. She's 19 years old. He gets the money and then turns back around and shoots her dead. Well, that defies logic to those of us who don't engage in violence repeatedly. But sometimes the robbery almost in cases like this feels sort of incidental, secondary to the violence, that the perpetrators are more interested in the violence than they are the profit. That's not a satisfying explanation, but we know from researching, you know, 
characteristics of perpetrators, but this sometimes in these types of offenses is true. And to Matthew Mangino, uh, former district attorney in Lawrence County, now private attorney and author of The Executioner's Toll. Matthew, thank you for being with us. This is clearly premeditated. He shows up dressed all in dark clothing, his face covered with a weapon. Why does he need a weapon, a gun in Burger King? This was late at night. He waited until there was a female unarmed on duty at the cash register, and then he struck. There's no way this is going to be manslaughter, uh, much less involuntary manslaughter. This was premeditated. He lay in wait for the right moment. Well, yeah, I mean, this is uh, no question um, that there's no reason uh, to to kill this um, young woman. I mean, he's in there. He's his face is covered. He's not trying to to do away with someone who might be able to identify him. This is just a cold blooded murder. Um, you know, the reason uh, cannot be justified under any circumstances that I can imagine in this particular case. No, not at all. Take a listen to our cut number four, Jessica Cunningham, NBC Four. We now know that Crystal Beiron Nieves was that 19-year-old who was killed during this armed robbery. And I'm told she just started the job here at this Burger King not too long ago. Now, the gate is down on the Burger King shop because the manager says they're going to be closed for the rest of the day. But I want to show you some video of the scene overnight and early this morning when investigators were combing this entire scene. Again, this is the Burger King right at 116th in Lexington. And you can see in this video video, the crime scene was still blocked off here, this entire corner. Police say a man walked into that Burger King with a gun and demanded money. They say he shot Crystal, who was behind the register at the time, and then shoved and pistol whipped a female manager who was also working and the customer inside at the time. A worker tells me investigators got the surveillance video they needed from inside the store, but says the suspect was fully masked and was wearing gloves as well. Masks and gloves. This was premeditated. It was a spur-of-the-moment incident. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we also know that this young girl, just 19 years old, family had moved from Puerto Rico to, quote, seek a better life for the teen girl in the United States. Hadn't been here on on the job, but for about three weeks when she is gunned down by a masked assailant after he gets the money. And as Dr. Sherry Schwartz was pointing out, it's not about the money. He did this for the joy of killing someone, the pure joy of killing someone. Take a listen to our cut three from ABC7. Of the man suspected in a deadly armed robbery at a Burger King in East Harlem. Cameras recorded the suspect in all black waving a gun around this morning at about 1 at 116th Street and Lexington Avenue. Police say the suspect opened fire behind the restaurant counter, fatally shooting 19-year-old cashier Crystal Bayron Nieves. Police say the suspect also punched a manager in the face and pistol whipped a customer. The shooter ran away with an unknown amount of cash. This is what is um, bizarre 
uh, almost eerie. Straight out to Dr. Michelle Dupree, uh, forensic pathologist, former medical examiner, detective, author of Homicide Investigation Field Guide. Dr. Dupree, I don't know how often you have seen this, but I've seen it quite often, and it's extremely odd. It's not anything that bears any weight in front of a jury, or it's not probative. It doesn't prove anything, but I find it very, very um, coincidental. We learn from her family that this young girl, 19-year-old Kristen, Crystal, had asked for additional security. She was afraid working at the Burger King there. She had asked for security. She was afraid when she would leave day shift, and she had asked the manager to move her off the night shift, and the manager had done that. The, the rub is the new schedule was not supposed to start until that Friday, and this happened just a couple of days before her new schedule started. To you, Dr. Michelle Dupree, have you ever seen cases where the murder victim seemingly had a premonition that something terrible was afoot? Nancy, I certainly have. I've often talked to family members or friends of a loved one who has, has passed in a violent manner like this, and they often have almost, almost as you said, a premonition. They're afraid of something, but they don't know exactly what, and they may ask for additional security, or they may say they feel like they're being watched, but this is not uncommon. To Nathalie Pagan joining us, a very close friend of the victim's family, I understand that um, Crystal and her 14-year-old little brother and her mom had moved from Puerto Rico here for a better life for the two teen children, that she had completed her GED, gotten her high school diploma on her own, and was working to save money to buy a car. Is this true? Yes. Did you know, did her mother know, Nathalie, that she was afraid? No, we never knew about nothing, that she was feeling afraid and nothing. That's interesting because other sources have stated to you, Tina Moore, joining us in the New York Post, that she was afraid working there, that she had told family members she was afraid. Uh, she didn't want to work at night. She wanted security when she had to leave the building at the Burger King. And she was so afraid, she actually asked the manager to take her off the night shift. Right. She said there were up to 50 men who would be hanging outside the store, loitering outside the store sometimes early in the morning when she would get done. And, and she said that it scared her, according to the book, our reporter who, who spoke to the family um, the day after. It's just so upsetting. You've got a teen girl trying her hardest in this country that we believe is the greatest country in the world. On her own, she goes and gets her GED after having moved here from Puerto Rico to seek a better life. The mother's working. She's working. The little brother is in school. She begs for more security. And now this, the tip line to catch Crystal's killer. What a senseless waste of human life. 800-577-TIPS. 800-577-8477. There is also... A GoFundMe. It's Crystal Nieves, victim of 116th Street Burger King shooting. Take a listen now to Kyron Dillon, our cut two from CBS2. This shooting is unacceptable. This mother is hurting. 
Her mother, along with family members, were unable to contain their grief as they were comforted by members of the community. We are sick and tired of the violence in our community. When is enough is going to be enough? When are we going to put the guns down? Chaplain Robert Rice says the family is now in mourning. I was with the mother um, all night. I pray with the family. They're not doing well. This mother is crying out. You know what I'm saying? This mother is hurting. She's hurting because now she's don't know what to do. The violence has left neighbors shaken. More police officers and security guards all around the stores around here because people are dangerous. You know, in my mind, Tina Moore, I appreciate the sentiment, but blah, blah, blah. Screaming into a bullhorn is not going to change anything. The relaxed bail reform rules where hardened criminals basically give a fingerprint and walk out the front door. Gun violence is rampant. You heard this little girl afraid because there would be 40 to 50 homeless people, guys, men outside the door of the Burger King when she would try to leave. Of course she's afraid. But why? Why is it degenerating like this? Uh, I think a lot of people are trying to figure this out right now. I mean, there are definitely some low-level crimes people are not going to jail for anymore. Um, there are some good reasons for that, but also this is a uh, this is the result. And one of the big problems is mental health, and there, there's not an arm really to deal with that. There's no program in place. Well, can I ask you something? Do we have any? Any evidence, even scintilla, a scrap, a shred of evidence, Tina Moore, to suggest the guy that was dressed all in black, covering his face, wearing gloves, goes into the Burger King when it's a lone female at the cashier at the cash register, waits till it's late at night with the cover of darkness, clearly premeditated, pre-plans it. Any suggestion at all? that he had a mental illness. Because he sounds pretty calm, cool, and collected to me. He's clearly a cold-blooded killer. I'm, I was talking about the 40 to 50 guys outside the, the restaurant. I, yes. I know the corner. I live in the area. I, I, I know that some of, them, some of them are mentally ill. But this guy, no. He sounds like a, a cold-blooded killer. According to the family, a young man who stopped by to see her at the restaurant and bring her a flower almost nightly was there when she was killed. His heart broken, the family's heart broken. What, if anything, is going to be done? Well, on our end, we can try to catch her killer. But it is up to the district attorney, who was soft on crime, the new head of police there, to do something about it. Not just sit by and let Crystal's life be taken in vain. Are they going to do something about it, sadly? I don't know if they are or not. How many dead bodies will it take before they wake up and realize what's happening around them? Will it take somebody that's in their inner circle to be gunned down like this before they feel the pain that other families are feeling right now? Take a listen to our cut five. This is Jessica Cunnington, NBC4. The crime scene unit spent about seven hours inside the Burger King gathering photos and other evidence. But I did speak with one neighbor who says he comes to this Burger King all the time and he brought this white candle here, left it right outside the door to honor the victim who says she just started working here just about a week ago. 19 years old, I woke up, seen it on my phone, and decided to bring a candle down. Um, I got the white candle because it represents peace. 
Um, she didn't deserve what she got. Um, we just need to get do something about the violence that's going on right now. We really do. We really do. Just so sad, and uh, investigators at this moment looking for the shooter right now, but also it seems that employees um, or people just trying to come to this Burger King and are being let in by other employees just to be together and to console each other. But again, the manager here telling me they are closed for the rest of the day. A 19-year-old girl dead. stories with Nancy Grace. 19 years old. Do we never learn? It seems like yesterday, the mass killing of employees at Wendy's in the same jurisdiction. Listen to our friend Cut B1, Mary Murphy, Picks 11. 4012 Main Street is eerily quiet during the pandemic, but Benjamin Nazario always avoids it. I walk, when I go there, I go on the other side of the street. 20 years ago, 4012 was the site of Wendy's, the place where Nazario's brother Ramon and six co-workers were shot execution style in a basement freezer. And me and him were very close. During a robbery planned by former assistant manager John Taylor. Taylor and accomplice Craig Godino took the E-train to Jackson Heights and the 7 to Main Street. John Taylor blamed the shootings on Godino. I would like to take a polygraph. I'll take it right now because I know I did not shoot any of those victims in there. But survivor Jaquan Johnson, just 18 then, recovered from partial paralysis to testify against Taylor. Johnson saw what happened with his right eye. I still think about my friends all the time. I got to live with that for the rest of my life. And take a listening into Mary Murphy, our cut B2. John Taylor was the last person on New York's death row. In 2007, the Court of Appeals ruled that capital punishment law was unconstitutional. We're more than 320 miles from Main Street flushing. And those looming 30-foot concrete walls you see behind me surround the Clinton Correctional Facility, a maximum security prison where the mastermind of the Wendy's robbery and mass shooting now lives his days without any chance of parole. Oh, what? I'm supposed to feel sorry for him? He murdered mass murder. He murdered multiple people. For what? What was in the, the till at a Wendy's? To Tina Moore, joining me from the New York Post, do we never learn? I got to pay for three hots and a cop for this guy after mass murder at a Wendy's, and now it's happening all over again? Well, I, I mean, he is still in jail, as far as I know, still in prison, correct? He's in prison, but he's alive, yeah, and they're not. True. I mean, I feel like people. I feel Tina that these fast food restaurants are an easy target, and I'll tell you why. Because very often, like me, you have very young, inexperienced people working as cashiers uh, mm-hmm. at McDonald's, at Wendy's, at my sandwich shop. I told you about, and they're sitting ducks. They're easy prey for cold-blooded predators. Tina, no, I think so. I think that these chains should be thinking about who they're scheduling and when. Why is a 19-year-old girl scheduled on the overnight shift? 
Isn't there exactly. an person maybe a, you know, who, could, who could do that shift? I don't, I don't understand that. Nobody's really questioned that yet. That's actually a really good first positive day. thought, something that we can do to make a difference. And not only that, when you said that, I thought about mandatory security guard in these mm-hmm. fast food restaurants when they're open late at night because we all know, and it's not just um, – anecdotal is statistical that most the majority of these type murders and robberies do happen in the cover of darkness now that's something that can be changed for the positive tina moore joining us from the post you know senseless killings over what this was a hundred dollar bill to dr sherry Mm -hmm. schwartz do you think that predators prey on well obviously they do whether it is intentional or it's uh, subconscious on people that are inexperienced like teens working at cash registers oh absolutely without a doubt and uh, my what the data would suggest is that this is somebody who's familiar with that area who would know when um crystal shift was you know would know that she was potentially you know, would maybe see her going in and out of the restaurant and and you know that fear response mm-hmm. that yes. you you show body language wise when you're interacting with these 50 or so homeless men outside so this is somebody who likely knew that and chose that time and her shift on purpose. Tatina Moore, what's the latest in trying to find her killer? Oh, I talked to the police this morning and there's still no arrests. And as far as I know, they don't have anybody in custody. There are a couple of war, uh, rewards out uh, for him. Maybe he'll talk about it. But some, you know, that happens with stupid criminals. They talk about their crimes and then someone turns them in uh, for the money. So that that's a possibility. I'm sure cops I would, I would imagine, please, I hope that happens. Well, I think you're right again, Tina Moore, joining us in the New York Post, because it's really hard for criminals to keep their pie holes shut. So if he brags to anyone and it gets back, that's at least a lead. Another senseless killing at fast food. Take a listen to the L.A. Taco Bell case. Our cut 10. This is Joy Benedict at KCAL. We are told a Taco Bell employee lost his life simply doing his job. It happened here at this Taco Bell behind me in South Los Angeles. You can see over to the left-hand side that drive through window is all shot up. We are told that is where someone in the drive through simply opened fire inside, killing the 41-year-old worker. Take a look at this video from last night. It all happened at about 11 p.m. That's when investigators say someone had come through the drive through They placed an order. When they pulled up to the window, investigators say that individual in the vehicle attempted to hand that employee some sort of a counterfeit bill. The employee refused to take it and then declined them service. And that is when we are told that individual pulled out a gun and fired numerous shots through the window of the drive through of the Taco Bell and unfortunately shot and killed that worker inside. We don't have a lot of information about the man who died here. We just know that he was 41 years old. He worked here at this Taco Bell and he was working that drive through window last night when all of this took place. I can tell you something else about him. He lost his life over a $20 counterfeit bill. A fake bill. I can tell you this. Working alongside him that night at the drive-thru, his teen boy son sees dad gun down. You don't think that's going to be in his mind the rest of his life? Take a listen to our cut 11, our friends at Fox 11. 
Family has identified the victim as 41-year-old Alejandro Garcia. They say that he was a family man, a father of three, and a hard worker. He worked at the Taco Bell one night out of the week to provide for his family, and now his family is mourning his death. He was a hardworking man, a family man, and for him just to die, just horrible. Horrible and inconceivable. Nancy Del Sol's cousin, 41-year-old Alejandro Garcia, was shot and killed on the job at a Taco Bell Saturday night in South LA. He was working the evening shift alongside his 19-year-old son. The way that he died in front of his son, it was really, really traumatic experience for my nephew. You know, to you, Justin Boardman, joining us, former Special Victims Unit detective. Justin, I remember my dad working the swing shift, or as he called it, I guess it was the third trick. And he right. would get in, uh, work all night for the railroad, and get in early the next morning as we were leaving mm-hmm. for school. Sometimes he'd do the second trick, and he'd be getting home at midnight, just working so hard to put us through school and to pay for the house payment and the car payment. And it's just devastating. Like in this case with Crystal, people trying to make a better life for themselves and their family, just gunned down over what? A hundred dollars out of the register, a $20 counterfeit bill. I I, I don't get it, Justin. I, I wish I, I wish I had all the answers. I don't either. I don't get it. Um, certainly, they need to be wiped out the streets and put away. Um, and, you know, it, what kills me the most about this is these, these, you know, regular Joes that are really trying hard to make ends meet, try to do things for their family, work an extra shift a week at a Taco Bell to save some money to go do fun things with their family. Um, and to die over a fake $20 bill, over a taco. Somebody basically was killed over a taco. Insane. Insane over a taco. Yes, you're right. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. To you, Dr. Michelle Dupree, uh, Dupree joining us, medical examiner. Dr. Dupree, in the case of Crystal and in the case that we're talking about right now, the Taco Bell case, how long would the victims have survived? I mean, I, I, I don't think Crystal was alive when she got to the hospital. And I know that the father at Taco Bell died with a bled out in his son's arms? Well, Nancy, that's a very good question. Of course, it depends on where the injury occurred, um, how, how serious it was. But oftentimes, it's really within minutes, which is fortunate. Do you know what's happening? Do you lose consciousness? Do you just black out? Or do you know you're dying? Eventually, of course, you do lose consciousness. And the, the time depends on, again, how significant the injury is. But yes, typically, you do know you're dying. To Matthew Mangino joining us, former prosecutor, uh, the district attorney in Lawrence County, now private attorney and author. It just seems to me like the same thing happens over and over and over. We elect politicians to do something. 
not just live off our tax money? Well, yeah, I, I agree. And, um, you know, the, the question here, uh, Nancy, is the common denominator here uh, is guns. I mean, we, we can't ignore this. We, we've talked about Burger King and Wendy's and Taco Bell, all tragic incidents, all people who were gunned down. Um, you know, how do we get these guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them? Uh, people who are going to use those uh, to commit crimes, to, to murder people. You know, whether this was a premeditated murder uh, that occurred in Burger King or whether this was a robbery that went awry, um, this, the common denominator is guns. Um, you know, if, if those uh, guys in the, in a vehicle who were arguing about a, a counterfeit $20 bill didn't have guns. No one would have been harmed inside the, the, uh, inside of the, the, uh, um, Taco Bell. I mean, you ha- you can't throw a knife through the window, uh, of, uh, of a drive through to, to kill somebody. It's the guns that are creating the havoc and gun violence is rising in major cities across the country. You know, in Philadelphia and in Indianapolis, uh, in New York. And then the other thing that, that, that's very concerning is the clearance rates. And you as, as, as a prosecutor know what the clearance rates are, you know, you know how important that is. What, are we solving these crimes? And right now, uh, you know, one in two homicides goes unclear in this country. So that means that one out of every two people who commit a murder are still walking the streets. And these people are armed. You know, how do we go about getting those guns out of the hands of people who are going to use them to hurt other people? You know, to Tina Moore joining us, police bureau chief at the New York Post, knowing what you know, knowing what I know, those of us that are in the business of crime, it it haunts me. For instance, if I turn up, pull up at a red light, especially if I have my twins in the car, I look over. If you're, with what Matthew Mangino's just said ringing in my ears, one out of two homicides not solved. I look around the red light and think, hey, who's that? Are they out on parole? It's very disconcerting knowing what we know, Tina Moore. It is. It's it's it's, it's a bit scary right now uh, in the city. Um, but I, you know, I just want to. I'm probably going to get myself in trouble for saying this because I have an office at police headquarters where I work every day. But where were the police? I mean, they they're they're supposed to be a deterrent. They're supposed to be in the area. They're supposed to be around. They're supposed to be in their cars driving around the neighborhood and and on foot patrol. I I I don't, I'm not so sure. They're around enough. Well, isn't it true the police force has been cut back? Right, and then you have COVID, too, which there are people out. I mean, hasn't the police force been cut back, the defund the police movement? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's where they are. They got defunded. (laughs) That was a heck of an idea that has certainly backfired. Um, When Tina Moore was talking, Matthew Mangino, Justin, talking about all across the country— they're right. Take a listen. We're heading now to Orlando. Our cut 12 from ABC 11. Family friend Tammy Tillman Edwards was overcome with emotion, speaking about 22-year-old Desmond Joshua Jr., who was shot and killed Saturday while working at the Burger King drive through Burger King was a stepping stone for him to move on to bigger things and to see his life just get cut down at 22 Orange County Sheriff's deputies say it started Saturday night at this Burger King on East Colonial after a woman was upset about the drive-through line taking too long. 
The arrest affidavit says the woman got a refund and left, but came back a few minutes later with a man driving a work truck with an SGL logo on it. They go on to say the driver, identified as Kelvis Rodriguez Thormas, demanded to fight Joshua Jr. A fight between the two broke out. The report states the suspect was heard saying, you got two seconds before I shoot you. Joshua Jr. was shot and killed. Deputies say Rodriguez Tormes and the woman drove off to a house about two miles away on Ventana Lane. They were found and detained. Did I understand that correctly, Jackie? Did they actually murder someone because it took too long with their fast food? Yes, they got angry. Senseless murders. Now, this is a recent one that has really broken my heart. Take a listen to our cut six, our friends at KTRK ABC. Humble police say surveillance video shows Caladro Duenas walking towards Chuck E. Cheese with his daughter's birthday cake when the suspect drove the wrong way down a row of parking spots and almost hit the father of two. The two exchanged words and then a witness told police they heard three gunshots. My six-year-old saw him lying on the ground. 24-year-old Duenas died at the hospital a short time later. My daughter didn't get to have her birthday. Now my kids don't have their dad. Really, 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 really rough these last few days. Humble police are still investigating. The suspect has not been caught. He was said to be driving a black Ford car. As of right now, this young dad carrying the birthday cake in for his six-year-old little girl, no arrest. This is what we know. Take a listen to our cut eight, K-H-O-U-11. The Humble Police Department says Duenas was in the parking lot carrying a birthday cake when a young man driving the wrong way down the parking lot lane had words with Duenas in the parking lot. They say the suspect pulled out a gun and shot Duenas. They tell us the suspect fled in a Ford vehicle. I don't understand how someone can do something to somebody like that when he was walking with a cake. Uresi says she hopes police can soon find the person responsible. I just hope that you know, he's found quickly and, and for the safety of the community as well. Because if he did this to my husband, I mean, imagine he could do this to anybody else. She's right. He could. I don't get it. I think I need to shrink on this. Straight out to Dr. Sherry Schwartz, forensic psychologist, joining us at panthermitigation.com. Dr. Sherry, senseless killings over what? This dad's carrying a birthday cake, a counterfeit 20, a late bag of tacos i mean murder over a taco what's happening well so for an example the the case of the dad carrying the birthday cake and almost seemingly like road rage right because he almost hits the dad and the dad gets mad and they have words and then he inflicts this violence these are characteristics of sadistic personality where you intend to harm somebody right this is not a question mark you intended to harm and so you did harm And this is somebody who lacks regret. They fail to take responsibility. They derive pleasure. They enjoy seeing other people hurt. They're going to have the last word, so to speak. To Nathalie Pagan, the family friend of Crystal Nieves, how is Crystal's family? Right now, it's very painful what what they're going through. Because she moved, she moved from Puerto Rico to take her kids out of the violence in Puerto Rico for this to happen here. They came like seven, they came like seven years ago, like looking for a better life and 
I just came to pick her mother up. We're gonna go buy her the dress for the viewing. And it's hard. It's really hard. Tip line 1-800-577. Tips 1-800-577-8477. Nancy Grace, Crumb Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Goodbye.